0: Welcome to the School of Wellbeing podcast. I am your host, Meg Durham, Wellbeing speaker, educator, and coach. I have taught and worked in schools across metropolitan and regional Australia, and I am dedicated to supporting big-hearted educators to prioritise their well-being and take courageous action despite the everyday pressures of school life. Because I want educators to know you don't have to sacrifice your health, relationships, and happiness to be a great teacher. Together, we are going to learn the lessons to help us teach well and be well. Let the learning begin. Hello and welcome to episode 99 of the podcast. Today is a solo episode and my opportunity to speak directly to you. So grab a cuppa, jump in the car or get your shoes on because we're catching up. It's been a while since I have recorded a solo episode. And in the lead up to publishing the 100th episode, I have found myself reflecting on the journey. So I thought this milestone is a great opportunity to get off the dance floor of life and get up on the balcony and reflect on the lessons that I have learned along the way and the changes that I have noticed in myself. In this episode, I will share what the podcast has taught me, how my work in the world has evolved, and the wellbeing practices that keep me going, and so much more. I hope you will enjoy this solo episode. Let's jump in to my reflections, thoughts, and noticing. Now, you may know, if you're a long-time listener, that I have a lot of thoughts And I get excited about a lot of things. So, this is why the podcast has been so helpful for me because I take a topic and I chase it down the rabbit hole and I get to learn so much. So, as I'm reflecting, there are so many different things that I'm thinking about. There are so many areas of my life that have changed due to having this podcast. So, I thought, what would be helpful if we categorized it? So, I'm going to be exploring the podcast. My learnings, my noticings, my lessons, and then my professional life, what's going on, some reflections, and then my personal life. What am I doing to make sure that I have the capacity to keep up with the demands of the podcast and my professional life? As I go through, I hope some of this is interesting to you, maybe inspiring, or also just that reminder that I am a human. My life is very complex. I have a lot of competing demands, just like you. No one's life is perfect. There's never a time where you get to a space and think, oh, now I have enough time and space to do this project. We're all just doing the best we can with what we've got. Essentially, we're all just making it up. There's no real rules. It's about learning what works for you and just doing it. So let's jump into the podcast. The lessons, reflections, and learning from a hundred episodes of the podcast. So the origin of the podcast is I didn't want to do it. It was a good friend of mine, Katrina Myers. She was the one who was encouraging me. I think you should really start a podcast. And my answer was no, no chance, not doing it. And that's a common theme with me. Someone will say, Oh, you should do this. And my original response is no, hard no, not happening. And then over time, the idea starts to soften. I think, oh, maybe it's possible. Maybe I could do it. And so during the pandemic, when my income was eroded, completely gone, no speaking events, and there was a high need for wellbeing education, and I have a network of people that know some really interesting things that I could share, I thought, why not? So I decided to pay for 10 episodes. And once I paid for 10 episodes to be produced, that includes the song, the intro, the outro, all of the bits and pieces, I had $11.26 in my business account. It was one of those last cracks. I just thought, this is it. I'm going to give everything I've got to this podcast because this is my last chance. And when you're working for yourself, it can sometimes feel like you're a gambler. And you just live in hope that the next thing you do will lead to more consistent income. And we can get into that when I go into the professional part of my reflections today. But one of the challenges of working for yourself is you have to generate every dollar that comes in. You have to generate the work when you're working in schools, there's always more work to do. You don't have to go out and generate it. It just comes to you. And so that's been a real challenge for me. How do I generate enough work to keep me paying the bills and contributing to my family? And so starting the podcast was, this is my last chance. I've been in business for 10 years and I'm really not making the gains that I would have liked. And so I did it. I started the podcast with $11.26 in my bank account. I still remember writing that number on my notebook with a big circle around it, just thinking, oh my gosh, hopefully this gets me somewhere. And from the very start, I have been so fortunate to have the support from Jamie. Jamie has worked on editing the podcast, show notes, all different things all over the years. And her support and her reliability has meant the world to me. So thank you, Jamie, for making this dream come true each and every week. So what have I learned about a podcast? What I've learned is it takes a heap more work than I could have ever anticipated. You know, for one podcast to be made, the steps generally include reaching out to the guest. So seeing if the guest is interested in being a guest on the show. And then we make a time to chat before we have a conversation. So we chat, we get to know each other, what topics light them up, what would be really helpful. Because as I'm having a conversation with a potential guest, I'm thinking about you as a teacher. What would add value to your life? You're busy, you're under the pump, there's so much going on, your time is very limited. So, what can I offer you? What can a guest offer you that would add value to you? So, we have a conversation. We have a concept and from there I start to do my preparation if it's around reading the book, looking at articles, looking at videos, watching documentaries, whatever it is, really go back and forth to plan this conversation and then we have the actual conversation. And what I've learned when it comes to having conversations with different people is some people like a lot of structure. They like to know ahead of time what will I be asking, what topics are we going to cover, really the nitty-gritty and other people are not interested. They arrive and they're ready to talk. And so it's been really interesting for me to get to know how different people are in communication and to be prepared. There are some times where I've got to work really hard to keep a guest on track, and other times it's really easy. They're just off and running. I just give them a few prompts and we have a great conversation. So we have their conversation. Then after the conversation, it goes to edit. And so that's when Jamie will go through the edit. And in the early days, I used to do the editing and oh my goodness, hours, hours and hours of editing. And it is such a long job. So I'm so grateful for Jamie who does the edit and then I'll have a listen back and then we'll probably do a re-edit and then we provide social media and do all the things. So if I had known how much effort one podcast episode would take, would I have done it? Probably not because I think that's the joy of starting something new. It's the excitement that gets you over the line, the idea of imagine if I could have these conversations in teacher's ears, like that's the exciting part. So now I know with experience two years in that it requires a lot of work to make a podcast and it is worth the effort. When I arrive at a school, and a teacher has a chat with me and tells me how a conversation has changed something in their life, I think, wow, this is why I do this podcast. It is worth the effort. Because a podcast is a very different medium to when you're speaking. When you're speaking, I can see you in front of me. We can laugh together. There's a real energy. It's a back and forth. But when you're doing a podcast, I'm sitting here talking to you, but I can't see you. I can't see your expression. It's really an act of faith. It's an act of faith that the message that I share gets to the person who will find it valuable, who will be able to receive the information. So we see the numbers of people listening increasing each week, and that's wonderful, but I don't get that feedback as often compared to when you're in person at a presentation. So when I do talk to teachers who listen to the podcast or tell me how each Saturday morning they listen to me as they're walking the dog, it just makes my heart sing. So looking back on these 100 episodes, what's been my favourite? My favourite episode, without doubt, episode 50 with my dad. My dad, Mick Denneher, it was just brilliant. It was such. A powerful experience to go through the preparation with Dad, to sit down at the table and to go back and forth about what we want to share, what we're not going to share, what would add value to people's lives, to record the podcast and then share the podcast with family before we published it. And it was such a joy to record that podcast with Dad. And I'm so grateful for his willingness to share his story because it's so deeply uncomfortable to share your story. And for so many of us, as we're thinking about our stories, we think, oh, it actually doesn't really matter who's even interested in that. But people's stories are fascinating. I loved hearing dad's story. I loved going through that. So that was definitely a highlight for me. And that's a conversation that I'll be able to listen to for the rest of my life and to treasure that moment in time sitting together recording that conversation. So that's definitely been my favourite episode. But what is my most impactful personally? The most impactful and the one that has fundamentally changed the way that I live, changed the way that I work, is episode 49 with Dr Anna Limke. Head of psychiatry at Stanford University, discussing her book Dopamine Nation: How to Find Balance in a World of Indulgence. Honestly, this is a super power to understand the mechanism of dopamine. We live in a world where there is so much instant gratification. There is so much pleasure. And the more pleasure we seek, The more pleasure we get, so the more instant gratification, so think about scrolling, just more emails, another block of chocolate, another glass of wine, add to cart, more, more, more. When we're in this more, 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 it is really hard to tolerate pain. It's really hard to tolerate discomfort. And we know that tolerating discomfort and tolerating pain leads us to more satisfying pleasure. And so learning how to manage pain and pleasure in my life has been a game changer. And I could honestly talk about this for hours, but I won't because I can easily get on a tangent because I'm just talking by myself to you. And so when I think about the episode that has impacted me and my work the most, it is definitely episode 49 with Dr. Anna if you're interested in dopamine, if you're interested in understanding the pain pleasure balance and how it all works, I highly recommend you go back and listen to episode 49 and purchase the book Dopamine Nation because it is the book that everybody needs to read and to understand living in this modern life. So which of the episodes am I most proud of? When I was reflecting on this, there are so many episodes that I'm proud of because they are out in the world. They're around concepts that we would never talk about openly. So to have them out around resentment, difficult people, trauma, so many different topics. But at the end of the day, the episode that I am most personally proud of is episode one. Episode one is where I share my story, my journey. And I listened to it recently, and I just don't know if I could do that again, if I could record it with such honesty and rawness. It was the first episode that I had ever recorded, and I remember spending weeks leading up to it preparing, thinking about what I'm going to share, which parts of my journey are important. And I also remember thinking, I don't know how to edit. And so I'm going to have to try and get through this with the least amount of mistakes possible. And I got through that whole episode with one break. So I just do not know if I could ever do that again. But I'm so glad that I do have that episode because it captured my story. And so many of you have listened to that episode and have been really moved by it. So I'm most proud of episode one the younger version of me that took a risk, that opened up, shared the strengths, the weaknesses, the opportunities, the challenges so I could lay the foundations of sharing other people's stories because I honestly believe if we're going to share other people's stories and give a platform for other people's stories, it's important that we share ours too. And so what has surprised me most about having a podcast How generous people are. The guests that I have had on each week have been so generous, sharing their personal lived experiences. You know, they don't have to do that. And when they do, it makes other people feel so seen and heard. It surprised me just how generous people are with their insights and their wisdom. You know, insight and wisdom takes years and years to develop, and they're happy to share it in an instant. And that has just been absolutely mind blowing just how generous guests have been. And before and after a conversation, how generous they are with me, the time they have given me, the conversations we've had, the emails we've had, text messages we've had after the conversations. It's just remarkable how generous humans are and highlights as far as some of the big names I still remember when Johan Hari got back to me and said yes happy to be on the podcast I thought oh gosh I, don't, I wasn't expecting a yes now I've actually got to you know record this conversation and the holistic psychologist Dr Nicola Perra, who will be coming back later this year to talk about a new book all about relationships Lisa Curry it was incredible to have the opportunity to talk with Lisa about her journey and her lessons and incredible people like Sue Webb. Sue Webb was a recent guest, an experienced educator who had the courage to write her story, Teachers Cry Too, and it is just amazing. This is what brings me so much joy is to connect with people that are willing to share. When it comes to the podcast and the future, it's still going to be here. The School of Wellbeing is alive and well. I'll certainly be having a break over summer. Last summer, I didn't have a break and I published a new episode every single week. And that was an error. I have learned from last summer and this summer I will be taking a break. But in 2024, I will be continuing. It may not be every week. I may slowly move to fortnightly, but I'm not quite sure about that. So that's my reflections, my learnings when it comes to the podcast. It has been a lot of work and it has been so deeply rewarding and satisfying. Let's move to professional. How was the podcast? How are these episodes changed me professionally? So as I mentioned before, my business was pretty much brought to its knees during the pandemic. I had that $11.26. And this was my last chance to get the messages out there about well-being and the importance of teacher well-being. So when I started the podcast, it was really a sliding door moment. I didn't know what the future held for me, but I was willing to just step up and do something differently, do something that I had never done before. Because what I knew and what I've always known is that I want to create spaces for teachers to connect. Share, laugh and reflect on their well-being. But it's a struggle to do that and generate income at the same time. And so I invested a lot in trying to get online courses up and going throughout the pandemic, and I spent so much time, so much money, and it just didn’t happen the way I had hoped. I was really hoping that I could get my online programs up and going, and that would be the thing that would work for me. And so the podcast was the next thing. And fast forward, things have changed dramatically. And I am so grateful to the version of me in 2021 that started the podcast because the courage to start something when you do not know how it's going to end, I'm so grateful for it because this term has been the most enjoyable and successful of my time in business. And as I mentioned earlier, I started my business in 2013. And here we are, 10 years later, I feel like I am only beginning. I'm finally at the start line, creating an impact, generating an income for my family. And so what has this term looked like for me? This term, each week, I have had the joy of being invited to schools to talk about staff wellbeing. I have travelled to Outback Australia, to locally here in Geelong and shared the message with a new group every single week. I have had the joy of presenting to the Victorian branch of the Alliance of Girls Schools Association. I have facilitated a full-day workshop with vice principals from the Victorian Catholic Secondary Schools Vice Principals Association at the Mitchelton Winery. I've had the joy of facilitating a half-day workshop for the heads of Independent Schools Association here in Geelong at the GMHBA Stadium. I have facilitated the Thrive by Design Workplace Wellbeing Programme The 25 big-hearted Tasmanian school principals. I have shared virtual and live sessions with schools that I have partnered with for the year, as well as recording and publishing a weekly podcast. Now, this is a snapshot of the meaningful work that I have the opportunity to do, and I am so grateful for this. And this has not come by luck. It has been hard work showing up day after day, year after year. And to be getting this point of traction and momentum, it is deeply satisfying. It brings me so much joy to know that these conversations are now happening. Conversations around well-being are happening at the school level, at the association level, At the system level, and it brings me so much joy. And I didn't even mention the invitation to be on the Today Show. Like, who would have thought the Today Show would be interested in teacher wellbeing? And it's reflective of the need out there. And so, this is what my life and my work is looking like now. Honestly, if you would have told me that this is the work that I would be doing when I started the podcast, I would have never believed you. It is a dream come true to be invited to work with school staff in various capacities, to be trusted with a school's most precious resource, their staff. My next professional goal is to publish a book and my deadline is I want to publish my first book by the time that I'm 40. I'm currently 37, so I have a little bit of time up my sleeve and I will need it because I have the book mapped out in my mind but getting it onto paper is much harder than I had anticipated. And so I'm committed to showing up and doing the hard yards, as Diana Taylor would say, to do the hard yards to make this book a reality. I would love to have a book that I could give To big-hearted humans that are willing and interested to take the deliberate action that's required to move beyond survival. So that's a few thoughts and reflections when it comes to the professional work that I'm currently doing and how it's evolved since having the podcast. And finally, a few personal reflections. As a family, I feel like we have found our groove. For long-time listeners, you will know that Our family moved to Geelong in 2020, a few weeks before the pandemic hit, and we'd had a pretty intense period before that. So the time we got to Geelong, we thought, oh, gosh, this is going to be great. We can really settle in. We'll have access to services and support. And then the pandemic happened. And so I feel like it's now that we're finally finding our groove. My husband, John, is currently studying, and it's a massive effort. For anyone listening who's studying and working full-time, good on you. It is hard yakka. Talk about pleasure and pain. That is pain over and over again to get the long-term pleasure. And I am so impressed and so proud of him for sticking at it and he will graduate from the course this year, which we are all so looking forward to. Our oldest son has started school and he's really found his feet this term. It's been quite remarkable to be the school parent, to be on the other side. And it's also a little bit overwhelming with all the paperwork. I had no idea about all the communications and the paperwork. However, we found our groove and I really enjoy being a school parent. I'm pleasantly surprised just how much I really enjoy doing the drop-off and the pick-up and meeting other lovely parents and feeling really connected to the school community and our younger son is in kinder and he is living the dream every day for him is a party and he brings so much joy to our lives and for me i am feeling the healthiest and the most content i have been since becoming a parent and it actually feels a bit strange because for so many years i have felt so much pressure to just keep my head above water, because that's what happens when you're parenting, you're running a business, you're working through a pandemic. And I am feeling so well. And it's such a distinct difference to my days when we were living in rural New South Wales. You know, when we were in rural New South Wales, we were an hour from the supermarket without any family around. It was tough. And I was just working hard to keep my head above water. And so making that decision to move was not easy, but I look back now and I am so glad we did because so much has changed for us since moving to Geelong. And I really want to highlight here the importance of support and services. The reason why I can do the work that I do in the world is because we have support. You know, I have the support of my husband I have the support of my parents and my mother-in-law, practical support that they can come in and support and help. And we also have services. So fortunate to have local services, whether it's the physio, the naturopath, the GP. There are so many services here that make life more manageable, that make it a little bit easier. And so what's been really helping me to manage my energy this term, knowing that it's been a really big term, and last term was a big term, and I didn't quite manage my energy, and by the end, I really was really feeling it. And so we're at the end of this term, and I'm feeling really good, and I want to reflect on why. This is a question that I'm always asking the people that I interview. So why? What's happening? What are you doing differently? And so what's really helped me this term is with the movement piece, many of you will know that I've had this ongoing injury, so I haven't been able to run. However, this year, we've worked it out. I've been working with a women's health physio and she has been exceptional in helping me rebuild my body. So eventually I will be able to run again. And that brings me so much joy. I have been back to reformer Pilates now for a while, and I'm really feeling my strength increase. And each morning and night I've been using the foam roller to really stretch and relax almost like a moving meditation, just putting some music on and really using the foam roller to stretch and lengthen my body because I was noticing that I was becoming quite tense and tight in my body. So that's been really helpful for me. This term is regular physio, reformer Pilates and using that foam roller morning and night. And I got so excited about this foam roller that I ended up ordering a travel one. So now when I travel for speaking events, I can take my foam roller with me and I can still use it in the morning and the evening. So for some of you, that may be exciting. For some of you, you might have a bit of a giggle that I'm so committed to this foam roller, but it makes such a difference. For me, sleep is always a non-negotiable The idea of getting near double digits, so the idea of getting towards 10 o'clock just makes me feel uncomfortable. You know, I really need eight to nine hours of sleep. It is so vital. And also what's been helpful in the sleep department is my beautiful naturopath has given me this lovely magnesium that has really made a difference. So that's just me personally. I'm not sure if it works for you, but for me personally, I've noticed that that made a difference. And when it comes to nourishment, I've been reading a book, a fascinating book, called Fast Like a Girl. And it talks about fasting and the impacts of fasting on women and at the different stages of development and how it all works. So I've been really interested in the concept of fasting, and I'm only the early stages of that, but I'm finding that really fascinating. And the research coming out when it comes to fasting, mental health physical health, performance, is just remarkable. So keep an eye on the idea of fasting. And when it comes to rest, being really clear about having time that's digital free. Just time, even if it's watching telly, just no phones, phones away, taking social media off my phone at different times and just having pockets of time where I'm not on. There are times when I am, but having more times where I deliberately disconnect and rest. And finally, that battery piece is connection. Connection is everything. When we make time for connection, it generates so much uplift. I love chatting with friends and family on the phone, and now school parents having a little chat before and after school, or going down to the local park. You know, I think the connection has really kept me buoyant this term. And There are some things that haven't happened this term that make the world of difference. And I have noticed the biggest thing that derails myself, derails our family, is illness. When kids get sick, it can just derail everything. And so we have been so fortunate this term because no one has got sick And so when no one's sick, that means we have the rhythm of everybody going where they need to go every day. And that makes such a difference. And so I know that even if I was doing all the things to manage myself, if I got sick or the boys got sick or if John got sick, that will derail things. And so that's why it's really important to notice that there are things that we can control and there are things that we can't control. So our wellbeing is very contextual. Depending on the context, that's going to impact how you are. Because when we were living in rural New South Wales, young children, I was still doing all the things, but the actual context, it was not possible to go to that next level because we just didn't have the support and services. So remember, as you're listening to this podcast and as you're listening each week, that everybody's situation is different. Everybody's level of support and services is different. Your season of life is different, and that's totally okay. And another noticing is just how good it is to have the sun starting to come out. Honestly, it makes the world of difference to have a blue sky and sunshine. Life just makes sense when the sun is out, and I cannot wait to hit the beach every weekend and just enjoy that beautiful vitamin C, sea and vitamin D because that makes the world of difference too. So wrapping up all of these learnings, all of these noticings from the podcast, professional to personal, I am so grateful of the younger version of me that decided to give the podcast a crack. And I'm thrilled to be sharing the 100th episode with you next week. To distill it all down, the three skills that have helped me to thrive by design are number one, taking responsibility. This is the first step to feeling good, functioning well and relating better. We have to focus on what we can control. There is so much out of our control. And so focus on what you can and take responsibility for your part. What can you do differently? So that's the first skill that I think that makes the biggest difference. And talking to people on the podcast, it's those moments when you realize that it's up to you. No one's coming to save you. I love that saying, if it's to be, it's up to me. So the first skill is taking responsibility. The second skill is increasing our window of tolerance. So increasing our ability to be with discomfort, to be with pain, to be distressed, and not aiming for a constant state of calm. Having the skill to move through discomfort back to calm, stress, relax, to be able to work and rest. And as we're increasing our ability to tolerate discomfort, our world literally opens up because the opposite of tolerating discomfort is avoidance. And the more we avoid things, the bigger they get. And the more we avoid discomfort, the smaller our life gets. We don't go to things because, oh, what would happen? We only eat certain foods or we only wear certain clothes or we only go certain places, we only talk to certain people. And so to have a meaningful big life requires us to build our tolerance and I think that is such an important skill and a skill that we're losing at a community level that we find it really hard to tolerate things that we don't like. And so that's that skill that is so important. And the third skill that I think has really helped me and teachers that I work with to be well is creating pockets of respite. Modern life is so intense. School life is relentless. There is always more to do. As humans, we're not evolved enough for this modern life. And so when we create pockets of respite, when we allow ourselves to rest, to recover, to recharge, we're more likely to be able to manage all the demands. We're more likely to be able to make better decisions. We're more likely to be able to take responsibility and tolerate discomfort. So they're the three skills that I think are just so important for all of us to continue to strengthen as a daily practice. Taking responsibility, controlling the controllables, tolerating discomfort, not aiming for that state of calm, but having the ability to feel the discomfort and be with it and learn from it. And the final skill is to rest. Rest is our superpower. So thank you. Thank you for being a part of this incredible adventure. It's a joy to chat with you each week and to play a small role in your well-being journey. I started my business in 2013 and 10 years on I am more committed than ever to create spaces for big-hearted educators to connect, share, laugh and reflect on their well-being because we need a teacher well-being revolution and I am here to make it happened. I hope this conversation has given you an opportunity to learn a little bit about me and to inspire you to take some kind of deliberate action in your life. To learn more about the ways that I can help you and your school community thrive, visit my website, openmindeducation.com. There you can book me to speak, learn about my game-changing wellbeing programs or download my free five-step energy guide. A heads up, bookings for 2024 are now coming in. So if you have a certain date in mind, make sure you reach out via the booking form on my website. You can find all the links from today's episode at openmindeducation.com forward slash episode 99. Thank you for listening to my reflections today on producing the School of Wellbeing podcast for you. And I look forward to sharing episode 100 with you next week. Until then, take care and take deliberate action.